This ain't a sip and see. But come sip and see. Change perspectives. You found that we have spirits are shown. Our words, our actions. Sipping a Gen Z millennial vibe. Sipping a Gen Z millennial vibe. We gonna get into it. Yes, yes, yes. We just need to go ahead and get this thing going. I am. What's up, everybody? I am Kenzie. I'm A.T., and this is Sipping. Where, in the benefit of the doubt, A.T. is the benefit. And Kenzie is the doubt. That's so shady. It's not that I be doubting, but I learned that you have to ask questions all the time. And you do that through compassion and love. Uh, Thank you. I try to. What are you sipping on right now, A.T.? Well, Kenzie, today I'm sipping on some pineapple juice mixed with orange juice. I'm feeling real tropical today. Oh, okay. It's it's a vibe. I am on that same wavelength, except mine is a little spiked. Okay, Okay. I'm having some vodka with uh, orange, strawberry, banana, and a splash of lemon juice. And I'm happy to be sipping this on our first coming together. For those of you listening, this episode is going to serve as a taste of what sipping is going to bring to your life. We're just going to give you an kind of a little bit of an overview. How would you describe this podcast? What is what is the intention here? What are we doing? What do you think we are doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about sipping a Gen Z millennial vibe. I think sipping overall is about just what's going on in our media landscape um, as it regards Black people specifically. Um, and I think what we're doing is having an intervention where we are uh, inserting our thoughts on how black people are looking on these movies and TV shows and on stage and theater. And for myself, I think I'm bringing um, a love for the performing arts. I am always uh, coming with respect for those who share that same passion. And as a Gen Zer, I am bringing a respect and honor for the queer icons that came before me. I'm just excited to talk about this with you and talk about all these topics with someone of a different generation. I certainly hope that you are not trying to call me old. Listen, y'all, he doesn't use the word intervention. You can tell he just graduated college, okay? Uh, All of those things, I I do co-sign with what you said. I do want to specifically say that this is also an homage to the book that followed uh, the Black Queer Studies Reader, which was called uh, Notino Shade, edited by the incomparable E. Patrick Johnson. So, you know, sipping kind of takes off of that. But we also are inclusive and, and, and are considering all folk, you know, who are interested in this broad journey of Black liberation. Uh, also, I think that this podcast, you know, does bridge a gap, you know, between Gen Z and millennials. You know, I think that we are quite different. I even think that some of the millennials are different. I do feel like the 90s millennials are much different than the 80s millennium. And I think that we'll take that up throughout this podcast. We'll think about those type of things. And we sit. The first thing I want to talk about is Megan Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez and this whole incident that occurred out in California in which Tory Lanez shot Megan Thee Stallion in the foot. 
What do you make of this situation, Kenzie? You know, I don't know all the facts. I don't know. You know, Tory Lanez, he's a little old man. If you thump him, he will fly across the nation back oh to Toronto. God. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and and, 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 and Megan, she's a stallion, right? She's the stallion, mm. right? So she's a she's a big girl. You know, she's a she and you from Texas, you know, y'all yeah. got some strong um stallions. That's the world they live in. Wait, can you clarify, what do you mean that's the world they live in? What does that mean? Okay, Milligan the Stallion might not be talking about shooting people, but she she do be talking about taking niggas' money, how, how great her coochie is, maybe as she should, but when you do <laughs> things like that, listen, when you do things like that, you are susceptible to lots of things. And so what I'm saying is that he is in the camp, and Megan is in the camp, with folk who talk about shooting folk, who talk about getting money, you know, selling drugs and all these things. So my thing is, is when you live that kind of life, and you are surrounded by those kind of people, you susceptible to getting shot. I can't, I can't agree with that. I'm sorry. I think Tory Lanez is a grown man who needs mm -hmm. to learn how to control himself no matter how upset he gets. He shouldn't be pulling a gun on anyone, let alone a woman who... I, who she said they've considered each other friends. What happens the, from the fact that we know that he was upset, and if he was upset, somebody else was upset? I, the, the details of what led up to the shooting have not been disclosed. All we know is that Tori apologized by saying that he was too drunk that night. So all we have to go on is him blaming alcohol for leading to him shooting. What did she say about the details of the incident? All she said is that she was shot in the foot by a trusted friend. Sometimes folk will take you there. That's why I, I tell all my friends, don't give me no guns. <laughs> I can't. You know, so like we're in a time where black folk are beginning to be like, OK, so it looks like since I can't find protection in this country, I need to protect myself. And so a person like me, I'm like, I am unsure if I am capable of that kind of responsibility because I'm not rap tight. You know, and I'm not saying that you know, I, I would shoot somebody because I don't want to go to prison. Prison is not a place for me. You know what right. I'm saying? Uh, I mean, I'm sure I could do a lot of fun things in there, but but that type of life, oh. that type of lifestyle is not what I'm trying to to pursue, you know, so I'm just like, maybe I shouldn't do something like that. And so maybe that maybe that's the that's the takeaway for Tory Lanez, since he cannot, like okay. you said, since he cannot control himself, perhaps he should rethink holding uh, such dangerous materials in his hand and having them in his possession. Agreed. She, he should keep him hands to herself unless he is under imminent danger, of course. But that's what I'm saying. Now, we don't know if he was in. We don't know. He might have been in imminent danger. He's a little. He's a little boy. Bring your ass, nigga. Bring it on. Speaking of some other uh, sticky situations, uh, did you hear about Odell Beckham Jr. and this uh, scat interest? Playing in the mud. Yes, I did hear mm -hmm. about that. That I think that girl is so trifling for exposing or allegedly exposing the proclivities of this man. Now, who are we to judge? You know, I don't even like to wipe my own ass. So I'm just wow. like... But you do it I mean, anyway, right? What I'm okay. saying is that it is a disgusting thing that I've had to endure my entire life. So you think I want to play with somebody else's shit? <laughs> you know? 
But that's his business. And the shade is, is that because she knows this and went to see him, you know, he flew her out and she said he told her to uh, come, you know, unbathed and things like that. And you decided to go, you probably into the shit too. You know, she probably let him shit on her before he flew her home. Hey, to each their own. I mean, just like you, I don't I don't think scat is for me. But uh, if it's what Odell likes to do in his private time, I say go for it. I do think it is definitely trifling that she broke this news in this way. Um, I, I wonder what uh, what conversations have occurred between them behind the scenes now that the story has broken. <laughs> if you had the opportunity. Nope. Would you nope. Have? Don't even have to go there. Mm-mm. 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 I don't have to think you, about it. You wouldn't even but kiss I him? mean, look, well, here's the thing. If we're being honest with, we have been around shit. So. You ain't got to say it like that. <laughs> it's part of, it is par for course. Yeah, so, but we ain't swallowed it. We ain't asked somebody to smear yeah. it on our face. Nothing like that. Anyway, this is That's getting true. disgusting. Let us move forward. Let's just go back to music. Uh, yes. <laughs> Lost One by Jasmine Sullivan. I've had mm-hmm. that on repeat ever since it dropped. That song is so uh, lyrically beautiful to me. It's like just the story that she's telling about someone who's kind of fallen off the track and is trying to get their life back together. She's like, it's almost as if she's like giving us an anthem to come back and recenter ourselves. Yeah, I mean, it surely has been making all y'all cry. Like, everybody, <laughs> they heard the song and they just started weeping and things. You know, I, I mean, I have not experienced love like that. So maybe that's why, you know, I'm just like, what y'all crying for? Much he don't love me no more. <laughs> oh, we try. He don't love me no more. <laughs> But um, she's just she's a, an awesome singer, awesome singer. Uh, and I'm just happy to have music from her at this point in a time yeah. where we need all the joy we can uh, grab on. The whole Ungodly Hour album has given me a whole new life, a whole new type of life. Oh, my God. I was out in the garden sweeping with my um, coochie cutters on, and I danced <laughs> all over that garden. It was, it, it's from, I just let the album play from beginning to end. The last time we were talking, you mentioned Sir. You're really into Sir. Yes. As Sir has this song with one of my favorite ar- artists, Robert Glasper, um... So I really like jazz. So this is, like, generally what I listen to. I'm listening either to gospel, jazz, or ignorant-ass trap music. Robert Glasper has this song with uh, Sir and Bridget Kelly, All I Do. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous. Yes. And it makes me want to grab the man I don't have. Um, Mulatto? You mean Massalato? That's what they call her on Twitter, Massalato. Oh, I don't like it. I'm not here for it. I'm not here for it. And it's mulattoes running around left and right. So why y'all why y'all mad? Cause she why they call her Massalato? That's corny. They they making fun of her. I mean, she wants to call back to that period. They want to put that in. It's whack. Make it make sense. I don't get it. Let's move on, because that done made me mad. Um, Massalato. <laughs> There have been some high-profile scandals happening. 
And, you know, some of these things are getting swept under the rug. And it is high time that we sit and mm-hmm. call folk out and talk oh about the Alvin Ailey Dance Company. Um, supposed to be our premier American modern dance company. You know, they're very, very, very esteemed company. Well, uh, the director of the second company, Troy Powell, uh, was let go Ooh. because it has come to the attention of the people that he had been having relations with some of the young men in Mm -hmm. the second company. This has been going on for at least a decade, I read. He had been having uh, inappropriate communication with some of the dancers outside of class, texting them, messaging them via social media, talking about, (laughs) you look good, baby boy, uh, taking people out to the clubs, groping them. At first, I thought you said that he had been messaging you for the past two years. And I was like, oh, I didn't. I didn't say that. No, 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 no. Okay. (laughs) I happen to know Troy Powell personally. Um, He has taken me out to dinner. I was of age, though. So messy. (laughs) My mouth is agape. But I first met Troy Powell when I was in high school. So I went attended the illustrious Tri-Cities High School that graduated Big Boy from Outcast, Candy from Real Housewives of Atlanta. If you're a Broadway kind of person, the incomparable and uh, Broadway veteran Saquon Semblo, along with Micah Ngalja, originated the role in Fela and Tony nominated and several other, you know, Broadway actors and music producers and things like that. Like that anyway. Troy came to teach workshops at our school in the dance department when I was young. And so I remember, and so I wasn't in dance, I was in musical theater, uh, but we had musical theater class in the dance room. And so I remember, I will never forget this day. It was my senior year. I was already a professional gay by this point, y'all. Come on. You know, we, <laughs> we had an early start in the game. <laughs> I was walking into the dance room and he was coming out and he like gave this look to me like it was like lustful but also like that that like nasty thing that that gay boys do to each other at the same time it really means they really are attracted to you that's what it really means and fast forward like five years later I moved to New York City and I lived in Harlem and me and my friends who were dancers, we would go to Lennox Lounge, you know, we used to go there and Troy would be up in there too, looking uh, and shit, <laughs> you know, and it was just like gone Troy, but you know, years later, a couple years later, shit, I needed a meal, so I let that nigga take me out to eat. Oh, uh, okay, a couple, you know, uh, but anyway, what was crazy is when my friend told me the story, you know, I was like, oh, so this is just now coming out to the light? Because everybody in the community knew about this. And see, this is the problem, you know, with, you know, with sexual assault, particularly on on men. Like, you know, we, we try to act like it's not it's not happening. It's not a big deal. But men do get sexually assaulted. That's my whole issue with the Me Too movement. I'm like, this movement is not necessarily about sexual assault and women and women's rights. This movement is about white white women trying to get the same power that that white men have. That's what it's about. Because you you co-op wow. 
movement from a black woman, you know, started by a black woman, you know, and if it wasn't for black women in the world, we probably might not have known that this was Tarana Burke's, you know, way of telling her story, you know, but this does happen and this happened happening. And that is the shade with that company. As it was said that like they have accounts of him having these inappropriate relationships going back many, many years ago, you know? And so it's really messed up, you know, that we don't, you know, really support and, and value the experiences of young black men when it comes to sexual misconduct, because it happens, you know, a lot. Black boys get raped. Like, these things happen. I remember when I was living in Brooklyn, I think it was like 2009, 2010, and some boy, like, that lived down the street from me was killed by his boyfriend. You know what I'm saying? Like, these things happen, you know, more often than not, you know? So I don't know where Troy Powell is. God bless him. You know, I hope that he is well. And I hope that he is reflecting, you know, on uh, his behavior. And and shame on Ailey for, you know, not um, for tarnishing the name of a, of, a, of a wonderful genius, you know, by not handling these situations from jump. I, I, in one of the articles, um, a dancer with the last name Houston uh, that accused uh, Powell, he was saying that um, he was told he shouldn't speak up or make any more formal charges against him uh, if he wanted to have a spot in Ailey too. And so that's often what the problem is, is that when these things occur, it's people who hold positions of power and they hold that over their victims. And Mm -hmm. it's, (laughs) it happens in places too, like at Fisk university, the president (laughs) uh, allegedly met a man on grinder and drugged him with GHB, allegedly. Mm-hmm. And uh, the two of them had an encounter, and the man claims mm-hmm. that he was in and out of consciousness. And let me tell you what that's knew- called. Come on. You get in the GHB in your system, and it makes you pass. And sometimes it makes you pass out fully, but it's called swirling out. <laughs> Go ahead, continue. Oh, yes. Some context. He was swirling out. And uh, he says, next thing he knew, there were men in and out of his bed next to him having sex. Mm -hmm. And that uh, his home, his apartment was then uh, robbed and that the sewage uh, or the plumbing was messed with and sewage came up into his house. That's crazy. So I wonder if this is the same individual who, you know, placed a restraining order on this, the same president. It's crazy. I also heard that he had said something about don't, don't date black men, but that is, that is unverified because I can't (laughs) cite, I can't cite where I, where I read this, but I did read um, that he was making those comments too. Um, you know, of course, which be- makes us think about, you know, Andrew Gillum, and we're going to, you know, have an episode <laughs> where we talk about this at length. So don't you worry. You know, you must stay tuned to Sippin' because we are going to go there. But in that situation, too, when he was passed out on the floor, they said meth was present, and he was passed mm-hmm. on the floor, that picture of him. Dr- I said, oh, he took G. Now, he either took it on purpose or he took it, you know, by mistake. But you're not supposed to drink alcohol when you do GHP, you know, mm-hmm. because... It will, it will, it's very dangerous and it will, you know, cause you to lose consciousness, you know, and I'm sure depending upon the amount, you probably could die as well. Uh, but when I saw him laying on that floor, you know, laying in his throat, I said, oh, I know exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a whole you know, episode. I have seen a lot of things in the world, y'all. But yeah, you know, so, I mean, it is a whole episode because the thing is, is that 
I feel that the media and the public are talking about that issue in the wrong way. Mm. His sexuality is his sexuality. I don't care right. nothing about that. That's for his wife to deal with. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That's for her to deal with. You know, he should not have to come out and publicly confess, you know, his sexual proclivities. He shouldn't have to do that. You know, I don't yeah. care nothing about that. I don't want him, you know? Right. Now, if it was Richie Torres, Richie Torres is, 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 is a, uh, I think he he has some, like, he's like a city council here in New York City. Oh, he's so fine. Now, if it was him, <laughs> then I'm going to be like, hey, Richie, I'm going to have to find him. Oh, oh, this week, September 17th, news broke that Jerry Harris from Cheer, oh, the popular show on Netflix, Jerry Harris has been accused of uh, asking minors to produce child pornography for him via Snapchat. Um, he has uh, he is now facing a lawsuit from two 13-year-old brothers from the Fort Worth area here in Texas, where I am. And they have um, accused him of uh, demanding that he's, that they send him videos and pictures of themselves while nude. Um, he also has been accused of soliciting oral sex from one of the 13-year-old boys. And um, also in the formal complaint that was filed in Chicago, it has been... Um, it has been listed that uh, there may be at least 10 to 15 other minors that Jerry was involved. 10 to 15. At least. And I had and never heard of him. I had never. So it's the, what is the show Cheer? Because at first I was like, oh, they made a re reboot of Cheers. I was like, you know, they're doing all these reboots of shows and things. But this is a cheerleading show, I imagine. Yes. So it's a docu-series um, and it follows the Navarro College cheer team. They're one of the premier okay. cheer teams in the nation and it follows their okay. season and it ends in their competition. But Jerry was one of the very popular um, kind of characters from the docu-series because he was noted for being really positive and like upbeat. And he just got really popular from being po he was on Ellen. He was involved with Oprah. He just interviewed Joe Biden recently. So he was very he was given a large platform in the media. So because he'd been trying to play with little white children. I don't know the race races of the other um, victims who came but forward, the one, but the two that are in the public are white white boys. Get out was real. It's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. And they could have okay. gone further. This time you've gone too far. Oh, I can go further. I can go further. We can't talk about theater because... Yeah. Oh, the pandemic has shut that down. What what is going to come of theater? Child, what is I've going been to watching the, the Zoom readings. The Zoom oh. readings aren't cutting it for me. They're just not. I don't happening. know because that's not because that's not theater. Right. <laughs> that's not theater. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's why it's not cutting it for you. You know, I'm just going to jump in and say real quick. I won't spend a lot of time on this either because our next episode is about this. But P Valley is an awesome show that um, yes. adapted from a stage play called Pussy Valley. I'm gonna need you to use them lips. Bring me back some uh, Katori Hall, who wrote the play and who is also the executive uh, producer and creator of P-Valley, she wrote the book for Tina the Musical as well. Now, I must say, to be honest and fair, and I will talk in great length, I'm not a fan of Katori's writing, but I do think P-Valley is something very, very special. Uh, and we will talk more about that on episode two of Sippin'. But what show do you want to talk about, Alan? I have been obsessed with Lovecraft Country on HBO. Oh my gosh, this show is mixing sci-fi and horror and historical fiction, and it's all produced by Jordan Peele, of course, who is, I, I think he's a genius. 
the man, yeah. his mind, the way he crafts these stories is just ridiculously amazing. But Lovecraft Country, the acting is strong. The plot sometimes, <laughs> upon analysis, you know, the plot sometimes leaves or does things that are offensive to various groups like having a two-spirit person murdered in the episode that they appear on um, for the first time. They, they, they're they resurrected and then killed at the end of the episode. And there are other instances of how they treat um, queer characters on the show, um, particularly uh, Montrose and Sammy's relationship is troubling to me. But overall... The acting to me is strong in Lovecraft Country. Um, I'm ready to see more of Ingenue Ellis. Montrose and Sammy, which is, I'm assuming one of those characters is, is Michael K. Williams. Is that his? Yes, Michael K. Williams is Montrose. What do you find troubling about that relationship? So their love or sex scenes is depicted as very violent. Um, and in this most recent episode, episode five, um, you know, both scenes that depict anal play are extremely violent. I think Sammy and Montrose, you know, he comes to him to kind of relief, to relieve this uh, pressure and this kind of anger he's feeling after his son has punched him in the face or beat him up, really. Um, And he comes and just kind of throws Sammy on the table or pushes him on the table, spits on him, and gets to work. I find that the sex in the show is violent in general. I find yeah. that the sex between yeah. the two lead characters, you know, um, I, I don't know their names. Um, but Letty and you know, Tick. Journey. Letty and Tick. Is his name Tick? Mm-hmm. Atticus oh, or okay. Tick. He's fine. <laughs> That's what he fine is what he is. Uh, with that big old, that big old beautiful nose. Ooh, he fine. Anyway, um, I even find their sex to be aggressive. But the, yes. I don't, I'm not bothered by. I think actually that Lovecraft Country is handling the DL love story or the DL experience it much more, um, much more in a much more savvy way than P Valley is doing. I think P Valley's um, that that love story between Lil Murda and Uncle Clifford. Is in some ways very, very unrealistic, you know, also inconsistent, you know, and inconsistent with the lifestyle. Like, I, in the essay that I write, so I'm writing an essay, please check out my blog, theshadesmith.blog. Uh, I will have an essay up <clears throat> on P Valley very soon. Um, but in there, um, I talk about how, uh, oh shoot, I lost my train of thought. Oh, I was hoping that wouldn't happen. Is it the vodka? Uh, <laughs> They need to get a Butch Queen on the consulting team because there's just some things that are happening on the queer aspects of the show that I think, you know, can be can be um, can be tightened up. You know, but I definitely think Lovecraft Country is is handling that. I think that also we're in a moment, you know, uh, you know, I be on Twitter after dark and so does everybody else where these you know, niggas like they have rape fantasies. They like that rough shit. They they want to be slapped and, and 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 stuffed in corners. And, and what that girl say in that one uh, viral video, she was hitting the head with horns and things like that. Folk like that. But I also think that there is something there's something I think cinematic and theatrical in that they're showing the frustration of having to live in silence, having to live in, in, in the, you know, in my intellectual work, I live under the shade. So shade, you know, as it relates to queer folk, particularly black gay men, is very, very significant and special because it functions in many, many different ways in our ex- experience. And, but no, the show is great. It is, it is trying to, you know, 
talk to white people a little bit too much about, you know, trying to like hand, I'm, I'm handing it to them. You know, it is doing too much of that for me. But other than that, I think the show is smart. I think Misha Green, you know, who is the creator of the show and who also created Underground, I think is a really dope storyteller. You know, I do think it's interesting that this, it, it is to an adaptation from a book. They're trying to decenter this this racist man, but I actually feel like they're centering him. And, the, and But people don't know they're centering him because nobody knows. They don't know the novel. They don't know right. the book. <laughs> I mean, and it's cool. Like, it's what Kehinde Wiley does in his art, you know, centering Black folk in these, you know, um, historic uh, art pieces, you know, or these, you know, or these historic events, you know, and I get the idea, but to me, it's still all, it's still another form of assimilation to me. This episode, it has two scenes that depict anal kind of sexual uh, situations, and both of them are extremely violent. The episode ends with Ruby shoving a stiletto heel up a white man's butt. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and also we have Montrose violently having sex with mm-hmm. Sammy. And so I find that problematic um, as okay. someone who engages in that type of activity occasionally. Um, okay. So, yeah, I think that that's something to be questioned. So you want to highlight the booty hole. All booty holes matter (laughs) in this case. (laughs) And should be treated with love and care. What is your last drop for today? Today, I just want to um, give honor uh, to Chief Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who has passed away now. Um, She led or she's leaving a legacy of uh, fighting for women's rights um, and always being vocal about what she believed in. She also has a legacy of being racist, but, uh, and the two can exist. Um, We can both celebrate and critique people for their legacy. Can you tell us a little bit uh, really quickly about the legacy of racism that you know of? So when it comes to um, people being deported, she was, uh, she was involved in kind of getting rapid deportations passed through of uh, citizens mm-hmm. who came into this country. Um, mm-hmm. She didn't mm-hmm. really care, or she denounced uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, she was not a supporter. Um, and um, most of her, her, her interests were involved in white women's feminism. See all of these Negroes out here posting her picture and all of these things. And and I know, it is clear to me, I know that this is just because it's trending and everybody wants to be a part of the trend. This is this is the problem with social media. You don't even know who you're celebrating, you know. But like you said, we can <laughs> we can, you know, celebrate and critique folk at the same time. I'm not gonna say anything about Bader Ginsburg, because I don't know nothing about her. You know, and I did have to ask my friend, I said, why is this a big deal? Other than the fact that these idiotic Republicans are so tasteless and tactless and the moment she dies are trying to fill her position, that's just in such poor taste. So I'm saying all that to say that I'm not going to be posting her because I don't know anything about her. <laughs> My last drop is that I'm so excited um, to be you know, in conversation with you, A.T. So I call A.T., his name is Alan Tyrone, so you'll hear me call him (laughs) Alan for A.T. You know, I'm really excited to be in conversation with you. I think you're very bright. We enter, you know, things in two different ways. And so I'm excited for the conversations that we're going to be having on Sipping the Podcast. You know, just like that. I'm going to be the one that's cussing, and A.T. is going to be the one praying. (laughs) (laughs) 
to say, yeah. I learned so much from you because you mm -hmm. are of a different generation from me and I look up to you. And I'm able to glean so much uh, in terms of what it means to be an artist and to be a black creative inspired by the work that you do. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. Yes, of course. Oh, that's so sweet. Amen. And with that, we want you all to tune in to our next episode. What are we going to be talking about, A.T.? Valley. <laughs> All right, y'all. See y'all the next time. This ain't a sip and see. <laughs>